everyone would be like, did the Vikings leave? How's their <laughs> Wi-Fi? Did they, are they here? Someone call them. Hey there, welcome to Hot Takedown, the show where the hot takes of the sports world meet the numbers that prove them right or tear them down. Today is March 17th, 2020. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm Sarah Ziegler, the sports editor at 538. Joining me is senior sports writer Neil Payne. Hello, Neil. Hey, Sarah. Wish we were uh, under different circumstances joining each other in the studio. But, I know. Uh, you know, we're remote and we're doing our best. Yeah, I couldn't say joining me as always. As yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are as joining me. Never. But yeah, exactly. Could be always. <laughs> And 538 contributor Jeff Foster. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? Hi. See, this doesn't really affect me. I'm always remote. Welcome right. Welcome to my world. You're like, good. Get on my level. <laughs> and happy St. Patrick's Day. I forgot it was St. Patrick's Day. Are, are any of you Irish? I'm not. <laughs> no. I am a little. Yeah. A little. A, little. a touch. Mm-hmm. A touch. Oh, my grandma's man. last name was Keneally, so I have it. I'm, I'm bona fide here. <laughs> If the show sounds slightly different today, that's because Neil and I are not in the 538 studio this week. We are working and podcasting from home. We are still fine-tuning our remote recording setup, so please bear with us. We hope to get it ironed out and sounding as close to studio perfect as possible soon. Jeff is going to be studio perfect in his car. He's used this car studio before. I'm literally in a dark car on the side (laughs) of the road. Well, not on the side of the road, in front of my house. I yeah, social distancing in Los Angeles is just getting in your car like normal, right? Isn't that just how yeah, you roll? It's basically that. It's be- it's basically nothing changed. So we might not have any games happening right now, but there is sports news this morning. Tom Brady announced that he will not be returning to the New England Patriots. We don't know where he's going yet. Any guesses, guys? Tampa. Tampa's what everyone is saying, but it doesn't. Does that feel right to you? I mean, I, I guess that's not what I would have guessed at the beginning of the offseason or, or like right after the Super Bowl. But that seems to be what most of the so-called experts are pointing towards. I think he's kind of run out of other options, really, at this point. Like, you know, Tennessee pulled out, uh, obviously, with the Tannehill thing. San Francisco pulled out. Now the Patriots are not an option. So it seems like there, there's only so many spots that he could go to. I just need to point out another move yesterday somehow without playing a snap the vikings managed to break my heart by trading away my favorite player stefan diggs i know that was shock i mean i'm it shouldn't have been that shocking but still i was shocked when i saw it they did get a nice haul for him a first round pick a fifth round pick a sixth round pick and a 2021 fourth round pick Making that deal much better than the DeAndre Hopkins deal. It it makes no sense. That deal makes no sense. All right. Well, today's show will be a little different because, well, the world of sports looks a little different than it did a week ago. We're going to talk about the impact that the coronavirus has had, both here in the U.S. and all over the world, as well as what sports mean now that they are, for the most part, suspended. But we'll still take a deep dive into data with our rabbit hole of the week. So to recap kind of where we are right now, as of today, because of the coronavirus, the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, and WHL, European soccer, U.S. soccer, MLS, NWSL, ATP, WTA, 
PGA, LPGA, and NCAA had canceled, suspended, or postponed major events and or the entirety of their league operations. Can I just butt in right here and just say that the Kentucky Derby was also postponed? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Move along. Just I saw that forget. and thought of you, Jeff. Don't. Uh, it, was a, it was a devastating blow for me, but keep going. Yes, add it to the list. Let's not forget. Sure, sure. Sorry. Also, the Kentucky Derby. Also, the Boston and London marathons had been postponed until the fall. There is no sports fandom or league that hasn't been affected by the spread of the virus. There have been interruptions of sports before, but what we're dealing with right now really is unprecedented. It's a unique challenge, both because of the global scale and because there are so many unknowns about when and how these leagues will return. Let's start with this. ESPN Scott Van Pelt called into Get Up with Mike Greenberg and Jalen Rose on Friday, and he talked about how the lack of sports is making him feel. I'm lost, and, and for for better or for worse, my life has been defined by sports my entire existence, from my, my youth growing up playing it, uh, that, that brief window of time when I thought someday I'd be the one that they were talking about on TV, and then I quickly realized that's not the case, uh, to what I've been lucky enough to do for all these years, uh, both at the Golf Channel and now for 20 years at ESPN. I mean, they've framed my existence, and they give me, um, my family gives me purpose and meaning, but they give me something to do, and I pour myself into this with great passion and interest. And I tweeted something out today. It's noon on Championship Friday, and I don't know what to do. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just stating a fact. I haven't got a clue what I'm to do. And from a professional standpoint, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I, we have some ideas of things we might be able to do that might really be cool to shine a light on some who've had their seasons uh, ended. And, and I think that might be fun, but I'm, I'm just, I'm at a loss. I, obviously, my greater concern is for our country in the hopes that, that this isn't some you know, truly debilitating, wheel-stopping moment, but it feels like we're heading in that direction. And so um, I'm not frightened. Um, I, I think that ultimately we'll, we'll prevail and we'll be all right. But in the short term, just as far as the lack of sports go, I, I don't have an, a clue what it is I'm meant to do. And, um, and it's a really odd, odd feeling. That resonated with me quite a bit. Neil, you and I have talked about that feeling of being kind of unmoored right now. Is it logical for us to be feeling a sort of grief over this? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think there's also an element of feeling guilty about, you know, grief or, or just feeling totally at a loss because our favorite entertainment source is gone because we know that that's going to be the least of the, the, the problems facing the country in the in the weeks to come. But at the same time, you know, people have said this and, and will probably say this over and over again, that in past tragedies, you've been able to look to sports as sort of a, a, a sign of normalcy. And, and, you know, after World War II, Franklin Roosevelt actually asked Major League Baseball to continue as normal, you know, even as many of the players were going to war, just because it, it was a sign that not everything is lost, that, you know, our way of life can continue despite you know, the, the craziness happening outside. And so I think this, one of the things that makes this unique is that it, it really is, I think in, in some ways it worked in reverse where seeing all of the leagues shut down was one of the first like, oh shit moments, uh, for, for a lot of us, probably for me, 
you know, even uh, to, to kind of ramp this up from being something that you're monitoring and you're watching, but it still feels like it's happening at a distance to this has landed on our doorstep. There's nothing we can do about it. And, you know, shit got real, basically. I, I think back, Neil, um, you know, that that Mets-Braves game right after 9-11 where Piazza hit the home run, which honestly I think might be in my top five sports moments. Watch, I wasn't there, but watching in my life because of, of what you described, it was so important. And now to not have that when the nation kind of needs it is bad. But, I mean, I guess maybe it's delayed. Maybe there will be a moment a few months from now when, you know, baseball starts or something like that, and, and, and we will have this moment where – we can say we got through it and but it but it it is different because it's not in the throes of it i mean that i think you know like when when the nfl and mlb returned after 9-11 americans you know were still nervous they were still like in the wake of this horrible thing and they and they could use the sports as a distraction but it's definitely different now and also on a youth level i mean kids aren't playing you know like you know it's not just the pros it's it's a lot of it is is you look in like American life and especially in like suburbia and places where the sports calendar is like rules a, a child's calendar and to have that gone, it changes things. I do. The nine eleven comparison is really interesting to me because I remember going to a football game or something not long after when they had everything had restarted and feeling nervous about it, not thinking I, you know, it was like a, college football game in Ames, Iowa, we probably were not going to be a target for anyone. But it did feel different, right? It felt like, oh, I need to be worried now when I'm in a big group. And I wonder about that when we get started again with sports, will we feel comfortable being in big groups of people again, knowing that having gone through this kind of a pandemic? I sort of feel like the way it's going to return is going to be without fans. I think the going to sports experience is going to be delayed for much longer than the sports on television experience. But that's, you know, obviously none of us know. That's a guess. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. I, th- I think it's going to be a while before we get back to that feeling of going into any crowd of people and f- and feeling safe before we know whether it's safe. And maybe sports, you know, are may- a little bit more um, able to come back sooner, potentially, because each team is kind of a self-contained group and it in theory it might be easier to sort of test everyone confirm that they're negative keep them quarantined as a league uh, and as like subgroups within the league and then in theory as long as all the players are kind of confirmed to not have it and the referees i guess um you could stage a game in an empty arena and that's some kind of Thing that could happen sooner than than some of the other returns to to normalcy, but maybe that's also pie in the sky because all it takes is you know a player's family member being exposed, and you know it's it's that's what's so insidious about this is that, and we even did a story on this when when it came to the Rudy Gobert thing, of just one player the 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 multiplying effect uh, that they can have in terms of exposing others just balloons out of control so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I- I do wonder if there were before the before things got so bad so fast, there were players saying, "Well, we don't want to play if we're not playing in front of the fans." Yeah, that LeBron. Would, yeah, <laughs> and I do wonder. I mean, his tune changed a little bit as it got a little more serious. But I do wonder if 
as we come back from it, if the players will be like, you know, we want to play for people at home, for the people who can't go out yet, you know, and that's even more important to help bring us back to a sense of regular American society. Um, so I do, yeah, I think you're right that people will, that they'll start first behind closed doors and then kind of ramp up. But you're also right that it doesn't take much to to spread this. And, you know, the so the story that we wrote um, talked about the, the way just one player testing positive on one team necessitated the whole league shutting down and also the NHL shutting down because the Jazz played or were about to play seven teams in those in the during the time when uh, Rudy Gobert might have been infected and those teams faced 12 more teams so you had 20 teams out of the 30 in the league potentially exposed and then seven NHL teams shared arenas used by the Jazz fate that faced the Jazz which you know that there was just this spread and so that really is why the league had to shut it down but it also shows to us how much how widely this can spread pretty easily. So that was sort of, you know, a, a microcosm of of society, but also a big warning flag for all of us. And, and I do think that's when, when it got real for all of us. I think you're right. I actually feel like, you know, the NBA postponing its season, I think to many Americans, what, I mean, look, that Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday night, right? Um, when that happened in conjunction with the Tom Hanks news, and that very strange broadcast from the Oval Office um, was really the night, but mainly the NBA, where everyone, I think a lot of people were like, oh, this is serious. I think a lot of people turned around and, and closed their offices the next day because of that. I think that was in some ways the thing that helped national awareness that this wasn't something that you could ignore or was going to go away on its own. Yeah, that day, Wednesday, March 11th, uh, 2020 I think will go down as like the day that coronavirus hit home for us you know uh, because somebody actually on Twitter put out a timeline it's extremely long uh, maybe we'll link to it in the in the um, post for the podcast but of just the the dominoes falling from 11:34 a.m. on March 11th when Rutgers closed its athletic events to fans. Then you had the CBI canceled by 1 p.m. MLB was exploring alternate sites for games. Uh, the Warriors closed home games at 2:10 p.m. Ohio Governor uh, said no fans would be there uh, at, for the NCAA games at 2:44. The Ivy League canceled the spring sporting events at 3 p.m. The NCAA canceled fans for all the tournaments at 4:15. Uh, then you just kind of once the games even started that evening it kind of hit even faster and faster and faster culminating at 8:40 p.m. the Jazz Thunder game was postponed. Trump announced a travel ban to Europe at 9:04 p.m. Tom Hanks said they uh, he and his wife tested positive at 9:06 p.m. Rudy Gobert positive test announcement was at 9:27 p.m. at 9:31 4 minutes later the NBA season was suspended. Then various other things like the Pelicans Kings game at 10:38 was postponed. Fred Hoiberg was taken to the hospital at 10:40 p.m. Uh, that day uh, and so it just was like this incredible list of sporting event i've never seen anything like that of just the the velocity at which the news kind of spread and 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 came out with like new items new cancellations new news pieces 
And once once I saw the Fred Hoiberg thing, I mean, I was like, okay, not only are all these tournaments canceled, but the big, both the men's and women's big tournaments are canceled also. I mean, even though Fred Hoiberg, I believe, like, didn't even have coronavirus, he was just coaching with the flu, <laughs> right. which was inexplicable like of it on its own. But you know that <laughs> that was it. It was too scary at that point. Did any so? You had a good question, Jeff. Like, did did the NBA wait too long? Did any of these leagues wait too long? I mean, who knows? I mean, it, look, you could argue that they all waited too long. They ran the LA Marathon here this last Sunday or the Sunday before. You know that just just to show how much things changed in seventy two hours. Um, you could argue that was a mistake, but I mean, a lot of this is you know hindsight. It's 2020, so it's it's hard to it's hard to blame them at the time, especially considering which I know we're going to get into later, the economic impact. I mean, the economic impact of the PGA losing its the PGA Tour losing its signature event. So it was a tough decision. I can't totally fault them. And I think it you know given the the lack of urgency uh, shown from you know the top of the U.S. government, exactly. Um, it's not exactly you know I think it, in a weird way the NBA was sort of. I, I think the NBA will go down as being almost like at the forefront of public thought and, and kind of shaping people's belief about how serious this was. Um, and, and I think everyone else, including the government, uh, shameful as that is, sort of took a cue from that and, and kind of looked at that and realized um, that they had to change also. So in a weird way, like, yeah, the NBA was probably too late, but it was also it's good that they did what they did when they did it. And in some ways that, you know, they didn't have a choice, like you mentioned, Sarah, because of the Rudy Gobert thing. But everyone else followed suit because they saw how how significant this was, especially the way it happened with Gobert, the way Gobert was touching every microphone and, and <laughs> yep. you know, the the irony involved in that, that he was the one to get it. I think also made it more significant. I do feel a little like he he got a lot of heat for that, you know, rightfully so. But I feel a little bit bad for him because he was doing that to stick up for like the reporters were being kept out of locker rooms, which was not the danger there. The danger wasn't like I mean, there's danger everywhere, and that was, like, the least of it. Like, they still had fans congregating to go to games, but they were holding out reporters from the locker room. So he was sort of sticking up for reporters, which I appreciate, but obviously... By infecting their microphones. By infecting their microphones, which is is one way to show your love, I guess. (laughs) So which events that still haven't been canceled should be? The Olympics, uh, I'm sort of shocked, have not been delayed or postponed yet well with the olympics we're getting into the point where i mean i understand wanting to wait to see whether the virus has peaked you know by may thinking that then they could still happen after that but there are qualifying things there are trials that will need to happen before we can do the olympics it just seems like there's not a lot of time right now to figure that out yeah it seems like denial and you know i think we saw denial on the part of a lot of the leagues or at least uh hoping maybe you could call it optimism maybe that's a better word for it than than denial but you know this i at first like oh it's a 30-day hiatus i think the nba had originally said uh and major league baseball was like oh we'll take a two-week break and all of this Uh, and i don't think even at first even after all the leagues pressed pause they 
realized or wanted to realize just how long it's going to be before we can do normal things again. Uh, And I don't think any of us really are like fully prepared or totally understand how long it's going to be. I mean, we're talking about it could go into July. It could go into August. The NFL is going to hold the draft still, which remains to be seen how that's going to work. Um, I think they deserve criticism over that, especially since the draft is a, like you could do that over video conferencing, you know, it's a TV show. It's not an actual event. We all do Um, fantasy drafts online. They can, they could do the same thing. (laughs) Oh my God. What if the NFL draft was held over like ESPN's fantasy app or something like that? Use the same app. You have it. (laughs) You a hundred percent. The Vikings would like, Get bad, have bad Wi-Fi and have to auto draft. Auto draft. <laughs> Everyone would be like, "Did the Vikings leave? How's their Wi-Fi? Did they? Are they here? Someone call them." <laughs> no, a hundred percent. That is how it would happen. Well, in the draft, so the the NFL situation this week is interesting to me. They went ahead to start their league season, so we're get, getting all these free agency news and trades and such. Was that the right call for them? Should, you know, does it feel weird to be talking about Stefan Diggs going to Buffalo right now in the middle of everything else? A little bit. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's on the one hand, though, going back to what we said, any kind of sign of normalcy. And these are things that you can still do and you don't have to have crowds to have free agent signings and, and whatnot. Um, I hope they wash their hands before signing the contracts. Um, but, uh, you know, so I I kind of come down on the side of why not? You know, like we do need something at this point. Um, but I could definitely see the counter argument that like maybe let's wait a couple weeks for the worst to be over before moving on to even thinking about sports. I, I agree. I think if you, I think people need distractions and if you can do you can provide sports interest and sports news without actually you know playing sports which is essentially off season you know tiktoks anyway then why not it, it will give something for people to talk about and think about get their minds off this um which i think everyone could use a little of okay i think that's a good place to pause for a quick word from this week's sponsor ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash takedown. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 top job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right skills and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash takedown. That's T-A-K-E-D-O-W-N. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash takedown. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So as we said earlier, it seems like the NBA suspending its season and the other teams following other leagues following suit was the tipping point for the COVID-19 pandemic in America and for taking it seriously. 
Now that we're starting to understand the severity of the crisis and that the effects are likely going to be felt for years, are leagues going to be able to come back from this? Neil, you just wrote a story about this very issue on 538.com. What does the economic impact of this look like? Well, it's uh, we used in the headline, we used the term staggering, and I think that that's fair to say if, if you look at the effect of just canceling the rest of the NBA regular season, it's going to approach a billion dollars if we're talking about the losses of ticket revenue, parking, concessions, merchandise, you know, all of those. So, you know, if we're talking about a billion dollars for the NBA, possibly or probably more if they have to um, shorten the playoffs or potentially cancel them, you know, they've they've said Adam Silver said he is determined to finish playing out the season. So have the other commissioners generally. But so, you know, we're talking about just as much probably for baseball, which gets a higher percentage of its revenue from ticket sales than the NBA anyway. Uh, And then the other thing is that for the players, not only do they have to worry about some, you know, penalty potentially about not playing the games this season, but they'll get less money next season and kind of going forward for these uh, sports that base their salary cap on the, the total amount of league revenue and, and splitting up a share of it to the players. So the salary cap in the NBA will probably be unchanged from what it was this year, uh, as opposed to increasing by $7 million per team, like it was projected to before the season. So, you know, these are a lot of different ways that it can affect things. And I don't know that we're at the point in, in North America where we would talk about teams shuttering, uh, because of it, but that's something that, um, certainly has been talked about in European soccer, especially at sort of the lower levels of the game where teams are worried about whether they can, you know, kind of keep operations going through this. And uh, those that might be the, the most extreme outcome of all. So yeah, the, the economic impact obviously is huge across all of society and sports are just sort of a small sliver of that, but it is um, really kind of uh, eye-opening to see just the effect that this could have if if they come back like in any kind of normal time frame. In your story, Neil, you talked about the NCAA and how the the you know the basketball tournaments are like three fourths of their yearly revenue, right? If not more, and that's got to affect you know many other sports, many other teams too, right? If if that revenue isn't coming in. Yeah, I mean, they talk about the NCAA talks about sort of the the revenue sports and the non-revenue sports and the non-revenue sports basically include everything outside of football and basketball, basically. Uh, so we could be talking about, you know, men's and women's for for the, the other sport. I do feel like it is the smaller sports, the leagues. I mean, the NBA obviously is going to lose the most money. It's going to have the most eye popping number. But in some ways, you compare it to like, you know, how much McDonald's is going to lose by shuttering all their uh, or I guess just doing drive through only. Obviously, that's going to be huge. But compared to a smaller restaurant, you know, a private small business that it's going to be way worse for the sort of smaller fishes in the in the sea. And I think, you know, something like the WNBA, even the NHL, which is more of a like paycheck to paycheck league. Um, is going to get hit really hard. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned the PGA and, and how important some of these events are for their yearly revenue. I, I do think they're they're the ones that are going to get hit harder. Jeff, you brought up the WNBA. And I, I, I've i been thinking a lot right now about women's basketball and how 
how far it's come in, you know, people watching and caring about it and rooting for these players. And, you know, the, the women's tournament was supposed to be the, you know, sort of the stage for Sabrina Ionescu to shine. Um, and, and I wonder how that affects the interest in the sport. Like, can the, can women's basketball regain that momentum when we're playing again? Um, and I would hope so, but it is, it's as a women's basketball fan, it's frustrating to have that momentum, you know, just stopped (laughs) so abruptly. Um, and you wonder if it'll, if it'll return. I mean, I think it'll be no different than any other sport in the sense that like, it's not like they disappeared, but the other sports are still going on. So, you know, you're sort of out of sight, out of mind. I think, there's going to be a huge outpouring of excitement and, you know, just uh, thankfulness when sports do come back that they could actually do better numbers than ever afterward, uh, you know, whenever the the long delay is over. Uh, And I don't think the WNBA would be any different from that, probably. I I think that also is, you know, Ionesco, you brought up an and that's probably she's probably an, obviously an outlier. But to think of all the seniors who are on these college basketball teams who are not going to be in the WNBA and not going to be in the NBA, which is so many. I mean, such a small percentage will do this professionally, and like this is their they just were deprived of their one last shot. Um, that their one shining s- moment. No, yeah. I, and, but also the amount of work and hours and practice that have gone in to lead up to this and then to be deprived of it. I mean, you know, if this Olympics is canceled, we've talked about this in the past, about how in um, 80 when the U.S. didn't send its teams to the Olympics and then 84 when the, the Soviets didn't send their teams to the Olympics, how for a lot of those athletes, you know, that was their one Olympics. You spend all these years working towards this one window where you have a chance to compete on this stage. And if you, if you take that away, then you don't get another shot and you don't play professionally. Um, and it, that, that is really the saddest part. I mean, in, in some ways a lot sadder than Steph Curry or these NBA guys. And I mean, they're, they're going to be fine for a lot of people who don't do this um, professionally are, are sort of the real victims here. So at what point do we think it will be, safe to go back into the water so to speak when when do we think the leagues will start up again nobody knows i mean honestly it i feel like if anything it's going to be longer than than a lot of people projected initially but i think uh you know this this situation's fluid and no one really knows it's it's really hard to say and it's also interesting who will be the first to come back i mean in in the way that the nba was the first really, you know, big marquee sports ticket to close, like who will be the first to come back? And and then what happens, you know, if a league does come back first and then they have a confirmed case? And the other thing is, you know, when we talk about flattening the curve and, and not overwhelming the healthcare system, the whole point of that is actually to extend the amount of time 
that the virus is, you know, sort of a threat out in the public longer than it would be otherwise by, you know, minimizing the amount of times that it's passed on to people and not overwhelming the healthcare system. Uh, we don't want this enormous spike of people to all die at, at, you know, or go into critical condition at the same time. We want it to be spread out over a period of months and months. Well, the problem there, you know, it's not a problem, uh, you know, compared to the alternative of many people dying. But from a sports perspective, that means that it could be many, many more months, it, even if we, uh, you know, isolate and, and you know, to take, take uh, the precautions that we need to for humanity, uh, it, it will make things sort of take longer and, and more of a delay for sports in, in the way that they can kind of viably come back. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if no one attends a sporting event for the rest of the year. But I do think I, I do see, you know, I, where some ingenuity and screening and I, I could see playing these NBA playoffs with no fans, baseball. I mean, for some baseball teams, it won't be that much of a difference not having any fans. <laughs> but uh, Orioles or uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I could see that for the for the rest of 2020. It's also um this may be sort of pedantic, but it's also a scheduling nightmare. I mean, like just to compare it, I'll be the uh, Hollywood a-hole here. If you compare it to the movie industry where all these movies are getting shelved, well, every release date from through the next year, through 2021, every weekend's blocked off of a movie. So you, it's hard to just, if you're going to be competitive, just to move a movie to another weekend. Likewise, moving a... a a college basketball or not a college basketball, but moving a golf tournament or or pushing the NBA playoffs deeper into the summer. You know, you're going to start running into other sporting events and all this stuff and they're going to be on top of each other. And with the TV networks and the stadiums, it's complicated. I mean, there's definitely going to be some casualties in the fall for by, you know, things that weren't even seemingly affected by this. Yeah, I mean, everyone will want to get their leagues up and running again as soon as it's as soon as it's safe to do so. It's not like baseball baseball is going to be like okay, well we'll wait while you go ahead NBA. Yeah, like that. exactly. That won't, that won't happen. Um, although it'd be you know just have everything happen all at once and just give us all the sports all at one time. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> October um, all year round. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and you know the at least with movies, you know ones that are already completed and were scheduled to release i know there's been movement toward releasing them through streaming services and you know kind of trying to make it back the 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 theater revenue some other way uh and that's a luxury that movies have that sports don't really have uh but i do think that you know something that will come out of this probably is the development of more ways to consume things at home, you know, without having to go out and, and maybe new technologies and new innovations along those lines. I don't quite know how it would work for sports. I mean, I like the fact that one of the things that I've been thinking about is looking at the sports that still can happen, you know, things that maybe we didn't even think of as sports. I know, Sarah, you don't consider esports to be uh, to, to, to be a legitimate sport, but I do think that the the amount of popularity of watching Twitch streams of NBA 2K involving real NBA players, which we've already seen, is is going to go up. Uh, even things like I love this. This is my favorite on um, 
on YouTube, there's a guy uh, who does these marble uh, competition races, uh, a guy named Jelly, uh, and uh, he has this Formula One version with marbles racing against each other called Marbula One. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it sounds so absurd, but these sports or, or activities that you can kind of focus that like sport part of your brain into that don't actually require humans to be interacting with each other in a, in a large group, I think will try to at least fill the void for the time being. And, and maybe we'll see some new interesting things come out of this going forward. I think marble races are extremely like soothing to watch and like dominoes yeah. dominoes are really soothing yeah. right now <laughs> so maybe that will that's sport adjacent i guess i still don't want to watch people playing video games i'm sorry i don't know if that will ever you're not if alone. I'll ever get there <laughs> what if it were real players playing as themselves like as their avatars we've seen like the phoenix suns have you know, tried to continue to play out their season, but using like the 2K League, you know, players to do it. But what if you could get every player in the NBA with their Xbox or their PlayStation to actually like be themselves, their avatar in the game uh, and and kind of play out the rest of the season that way? That would be very interesting because, you know, the players' abilities are rated reasonably close to what their actual real life abilities are. Uh, and, you know, they would be making the decisions in the construct of the team. It, it almost feels basketball, I think, especially because there's only five players uh, on a side. It feels like the perfect time to kind of do this. Now, am I saying that the 2K League, you know, champion should be considered the 2020 NBA champion? Yes, I am. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Not where I thought that sentence was going. <laughs> yeah. I I can see that that is fun that that I that is an interesting thing and like that makes me want to watch that a lot more than just like my nephew playing <laughs> playing Fortnite or whatever. Well, yeah. how good is your nephew? <laughs> <laughs> He's good enough to beat me, which says nothing. <laughs> and uh, lest we think that esports are unaffected, the Overwatch League canceled all of its March and April events too. Oh so. my goodness! This touches everything. I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, sorry, I know. Uh, you're, but again, those are those are crowds coming sure. out to watch sure. the the esports. The way Jeff and I watched uh, esports in a crowd one time. Yeah, uh, that, that was my conflict. big plan was to become a big Overwatch fan. First, learn what Overwatch is, and then become a big fan. Uh, now that's gone. So yeah, it's a yeah, absolutely. Well, so Neil, are there any sports projects that you want to? tackle now that there's sort of an enforced break from covering them you mean besides oh. the one he just laid out yeah i was gonna say uh, one of them is just to look at the uh the the alterna sports i think that would be really fun but i think also you know i think we'll see more research you know as though it were just a long off season uh more than anything else um to kind of figure out more about the the sports themselves i mean one of the disappointing things is that the nhl playoffs was actually supposed to be the introduction of the the player and puck tracking system at the nhl level uh and so we would have gotten a lot of new data out of that that'll have to be put on hold but i do think that with the volume of nfl and nba you know tracking data there will be more time than ever for people to kind of dig into that and, and get new insights out of it. So there's been multiple takes from folks reflecting on the league shutdowns all over the world. John Branch in the New York Times wrote that sports were a constant part of the background noise. 
Jeff, is there a chance that sports are going to look or feel differently or have a different rhythm to them when they do come back? You know, I don't. I don't think so. I think everything is going to... Maybe I'm, like, being optimistic here, but I think a year from now, maybe a year and 18 months from now, I think we're going to look back and go, well, that was crazy. Remember 2020 when we canceled everything? And I think we'll always have you know, a lot of blank spots on the sports history calendar. But I I do think that it's too powerful of a thing. Um, You know, it sort of goes back full circle to what I was saying about how the youth level, how all that's getting canceled and and kids aren't playing organized sports. I think it'll return and the, the love of it will return and the sports going experience will return eventually. It's just going to be time. And I think it'll be a blip ultimately on the, I, I think if anything, you know, it may have some positive impact on how much we all wash our hands and how much we are. Con- I, I think like certain things will permanently change in terms of preparation to, to, to deal with things like this in terms of awareness. But I, I think eventually we will return to normalcy. It's just hard to see now. It feels so remote right now. At 538, we often find ourselves falling down various rabbit holes of data. Some lead to stories, some don't. We end each week's show with one of these descents, the hot takedown rabbit hole of the week. Neil, take it away. Okay, Sarah. So this week, uh, it it felt right to provide a little historical context to this total suspension of sports that we've been talking about because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, This pause is basically across all sports all at once. And that is truly unprecedented. There's just no other way to put it. I mean, that word has been used a lot, but I think it's fitting uh, for what we're looking at right now. But there have been other times in history where really scary real-life events also put sports on hold. And the one that everyone is kind of drawing the comparison to now is the 1919 Stanley Cup final. It was canceled after five games because of the Spanish flu pandemic that ultimately infected 500 million people worldwide. Uh, so in that series, the Montreal Canadiens and the Seattle Metropolitans were tied at two games apiece with one draw. This was back before the NHL was the only league. There was also something called the Pacific Coast Hockey Association and the winner of the NHL, that was Montreal, would face the winner of the uh, Pacific Coast League, the Seattle uh, team, uh, and they would decide who won the Stanley Cup. And so with that situation, 2-2, going into uh, Game 6, almost the entire Canadians roster caught the Spanish flu. So they were down to like three players that they could have used and they tried to forfeit, but Seattle also refused to, to accept it. They didn't want to win the cup that way. Uh, and as a result, the championship was not awarded at all. In fact, there was uh, you know, cause they put the names of everyone who's won the Stanley cup on the cup. I think this one may have fallen off by, by now, but the, um, uh, for a long time, it said, you know, the two teams' names and no championship awarded. Uh, one player on Montreal, a guy named Bad Joe Hall, died of the flu that within a few days of the cancellation of the series. And also the team manager died later as a result of the illness. He just never really fully recovered. And this is the only time that one of the big four North American men's leagues didn't crown a champion for a reason other than labor 
disagreements or business disagreements. We've seen that happen with like the World Series be canceled in, in 94, no hockey season at all in 2005, but those were because of strikes or, or lockouts. Uh, now, the 1919 Stanley Cup wasn't the only event ever upended by a public health crisis. The 2003 Women's World Cup was actually relocated from China to the U.S. because of the SARS outbreak, which is in many ways kind of a precursor to the crisis that we're, we're facing right now. Uh, maybe my favorite uh, uh, cancellation or moving of the night uh, of the World War II was that the 1942 Rose Bowl had to be moved from Pasadena to, uh, out of fears that there would be another attack and it would actually land on the West Coast. Uh, it was supposed to be on January 1st, 1942, so just a few weeks after Pearl Harbor. So they moved it to Duke University's campus in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Duke was one of the teams playing in the Rose Bowl, which was also very bizarre. Uh, and despite having a home game for that, they lost to Oregon State. I just the, the Rose Bowl not in California is wild, but the Rose yeah. Bowl in at in North Duke Carolina is super wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess they didn't want to move it to Oregon also because of similar uh, concerns sure. about an attack. Uh, and then there's a lot of domestic tragedies that have at least delayed the sports calendar. So in 1989, Game 3 of the World Series between the San Francisco Giants and Oakland A's was just about to begin. Al Michaels was in his pregame spiel when a magnitude 6.9 earthquake hit the Bay Area, uh, injuring thousands and causing billions of dollars in damage. And the World Series had to be put on hold for 10 days uh, before they, they made up Game 3. Jeff, were, uh, you, were you watching that when it happened, Jeff? I remembered. I don't remember if I was watching live, but I do, of course, remember that clip of the right before that game was about to start and the, everyone starts shaking. I was watch. Yeah. I was watching it. I was eleven, I think, and I, I was watching it as it happened. It was just amazing to watch it on TV. Neil, I know you were too young to actually be watching it live. <laughs> um, you know, I think that we had it on TV, though. I think my mother has has told me about like, oh, we were watching that, you know, when it when it happened. But maybe she's, you know conflating that with the 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 news clips afterward um but yeah i mean that you know it's it's certainly not much of a comparison to what's happening right now but uh it it put the put the world series on a delay uh at least and then of course more recently the september 11th terror attacks postponed baseball by just a few days which i was a little bit surprised when i went back and looked i i didn't realize that um i thought they had taken at least a week off but they were pretty determined to kind of push forward and give us some of those moments like you talked about jeff uh with with the mets um, and then finally, last but not least, uh, when Hurricane Katrina ravaged New Orleans in 2005, it forced the Saints to play their home games in a mix of San Antonio, Baton Rouge, and they even played one home game at the New Jersey Meadowlands. Um, and it also left the Hornets playing in Oklahoma City for most of two seasons, which kind of was a test run uh, for the for the Thunder to for the Supersonics to leave Seattle and become the Thunder, you know, showing that there is this basketball market in in OKC. I got I I love that they played in new jersey because when i think new orleans i also think new jersey so that that makes yeah. perfect sense to me <laughs> east Rutherford. yeah well i think they were actually stranded in um 
in uh, like after playing the Giants or something like that, they they kind of um, uh, or or the Jets. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, they just were there already, and so they were like, "Well, we're not going to be able to play in New Orleans, and there aren't really suitable other places." And and you know, whoever I, I forget uh, the exact circumstances, but it was like, "Well, there's a stadium here, so let's just make the b- most of it right now." Um, and and the one thing about the the Saints, you know, kind of journey through the wilderness after. Katrina is that it really did provide this opportunity for a moment of catharsis and, you know, great, like we're back. We didn't, you know, this, this didn't stop us when Steve Gleason blocked the punt in the Saints first game back at the Superdome. And so I wonder when we will get our collective moment of catharsis, you know, this outpouring of emotion as sports finally come back. And we can kind of use that as a sign that things are back to normal. And like we've been saying all episode, that probably won't happen anytime soon. But, you know, I, th- I know that we will eventually get there. Yeah, I, I think sports will be the thing, right? It, it was the thing that told people that this was serious. And I think it will be the thing that tells us that it's over too, right? Or that at least getting close to over, which is sort of comforting that sports has that like role in society that it can both tell us when there's a problem and tell us that the problem is over yeah exactly i just feel bad for joe hall i mean we still have to call him bad joe hall even when he died of the flu trying to play for the canadians i mean i kind of felt like that was a badass nickname i'm sure it was because he you know checked guys really hard with his stick up you know He's a, he's a bad man. Oh, he's a bad man. He's not just bad at hockey. <laughs> no, I did not oh. interpret it to be that he is bad at hockey. We should say that up front. Joe I Hall, didn't interpret it that way either, but now that I do, poor Joe Hall. Poor, poor Joe Hall, I, really. That's yeah. our takeaway, poor Joe Hall. <laughs> he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, by the way. He got inducted in, in 1961. So he wasn't uh, bad so at hockey. He wasn't bad. Hey. He was good. Good Joe Hall. Good job, Joe Hall. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at his stats. He was a defenseman, it, Jeff. It, a pre-Bobby Orr defenseman. I don't know how you good can't. bad Joe Hall was. But I'm happy he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right. I think that will do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be well. Wash your hands. And we'll be back in your feed next Tuesday. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and be sure to review and rate us on your podcast app of choice. It really does help new people find the show. You can also email us at podcast at 538.com to let us know what you think. Our new podcast producer is Sarah Shackett. We're very happy to have her on board. Tony Chow is in the virtual control room. And our podcast commissioner is Chad Matlin. For Neil and Jeff, I'm Sarah. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.